Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. And Brian, the boom operator, goes to comfort Pam. Dun, 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 dun. It's Brian, 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 Brian. everyone welcome back to talking ship podcast brought to you by the believe podcast network i'm megan fitzgerald and i'm angela giratana you guys caught us we're in the heat of the moment because we already started talking about all the things we have to say about this episode so we just had to start recording and just you know if you've been keeping up with the show then you know last week we recorded on election day which was very uh anxiety inducing but congrats everyone we did it we made it through we elected joe biden all is well in non-fictional scranton pennsylvania thanks so much pennsylvania but unfortunately all is not well in uh fictional scranton pa because this episode we're talking about the marital demise of jim and pam uh, all right but not really but okay but so apparently it was definitely at some point the plan to divorce jim and pam in season nine and to me it gives me so much more faith that Greg Daniels and these writers knew that they had all of these unsolved issues and were like, they're going to have to come to a head eventually. Doesn't and, that make sense? Oh my God. Yes. And they addressed so much of it in the last two episodes. I was watching it and I was like, oh my God, this is like they're on the podcast being like, these are the fundamental issues with our relationship. Yeah. And I was like, oh my God. And you're right. It does look like they're headed toward no way of like repatching their relationship. Right. And then out of nowhere, it's like a pivot turn and it does look like somebody changed their mind. Yeah, exactly. Because apparently what happened is after they aired the episode where Brian, the boom guy, hit knocks the guy out, fans went crazy and they hated it. And so they did pivot and they turned things around. Obviously, like we spent a lot of time talking about this couple. I, I agree that they would and should always end up together. But I think that there's a lot of merit in either, you know, having them go through a divorce or even what they did do, which is have them go through some serious marital problems this season, because there is so much wrong with this marriage that we have to talk about it because it happens all the time in our non-fictional lives, these problems. It's almost unwatchable, some of the parts where it's like, oh my God, every area of this is doomed. And then Brian Gate. Brian Gate. Everyone raise all the flags. Threw me the fuck off. Did you know? Did you have any idea that she had a thing with a crew member? I had no fucking clue, Megan. This was your first time watching the final couple seasons, the post-Michael yeah. era. So yeah, tell yeah. us about your Brian experience, your entire experience. Some cold open is like all POV, like about the documentary first quick yeah. second. And I remember being like, oh my God, we're really leaning into like the Mike Pack stuff. Uh-huh. Nothing substantial yet. Like, why? And then it happened. And I was like, oh my God, this is why they brought that bit back. This is why they brought mm-hmm. the meta. We're talking at the camera filmmakers. And I was like, they brought it back for Jim and Pam. Oh my God. I, I mean, I enjoyed it. I really did enjoy it. It was a little fucking bonkers to me. 
Yeah, it is. But also it makes sense because as we've established several times on this podcast, Jim and Pam don't have a life outside of each other. So of course, the only romantic competition they could have given Pam is somebody on the crew. And I will say I have never seen any casting look more like a crew member than this Brian man. (laughs) I was like, yeah, you, you work on a dock. He also looked like He was like, maybe got a call back for Jim, but never made it. He wasn't too hot. It was, it was like the perfect type, but still, what a mind fuck. It's insane. Oh, okay. Well, we're going to get into all of it. We have so much to say in this episode, but I think the most important thing about this episode and just about this arc on the show is that we all hold Jim and Pam to such a high standard that we miss some of these red, red flags. And we do this in our relationships too. So just to make sure that if this is happening to you, you are paying special, special attention. We're going to go into relatable content. Oh, it's dissonant. Good. Perfect. (laughs) For you. I bet that felt so good in earphones for people to hear. So everyone, you may be in a Jim and Pam marriage. If the primary thing going on in your lives for the past several years has been your kids. Oh, oh my God. I was having some major flashback to um, earlier in the quarantine. My boyfriend and I got our a foster dog together. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, very different, but I did remember being like, it's so weird to equally both care about something that's not each other in the room. So we we're obsessed with just staring at it and making sure it was okay to the point where two weeks went by and my boyfriend was like, I literally don't think we've looked at each other. In two oh my God. <laughs> and I was like, Wow, if this is a small inch of what married couples go through, I cannot imagine how like blinding it must be. Mm-hmm. It mm-hmm. must be. Yeah, crazy. I mean, off of that, you may be in a Jim and Pam marriage if you find yourself like really obsessing over the earlier moments of your relationship. Mm-hmm. They just like keep going back because they stop pursuing each other. I love that what saves Jim and Pam's relationship is essentially like a fan made music video that you would watch on YouTube as a teenager, put all these Jim and Pam clips together to the song collide and <laughs> just like with your spare time. Lucky I'm in love with my best That's 100% what it would have been. We said this before, but we'll continue to say it. You may be in a Jim and Pam marriage if you don't have many friends outside of your marriage. Sure, they have friends at the office, but they certainly does not seem like they chat with their friends in the office about their relationship. And uh, I don't think they really chat with anyone about their relationship. And that leads them down a dark, dark path. Yes, very good one. Because also you may be in a Jim and Pam marriage if if a life change has completely changed the like power dynamics. Mm -hmm. For some reason... I don't know if this was just like as an audience member, I felt this way. There was a cooler person in the relationship. And maybe that's because she was like, like dealing with lice and her life stuff. And she was in Scranton, but like his life was so much cooler. You may be in a Jim and Pam marriage if you avoid telling your partner things that would quote stress them out or rock the boat. Some could say they actively avoid telling each other hard things. They're like, well, I didn't want to tell Jim that I was upset because I didn't want to stress him out. And he's like, I didn't want to tell Pam this because she's having a 
bad day. And it's just so evidently clear that these people do not talk about anything real. You may be in a Jim and Pam marriage if you are playing mind games with yourself instead of like huge, like, oh my God, are we falling out of love? You're giving yourself like little, if he's into this girl, then we're falling out of love. And that is when you're like, I think your brain is like probably trying to protect yourself. So you're like, let me just like think about this one thing and the way he answers to this one question. And that will help me figure out if like the bigger question I'm asking is actually worth asking. Yeah. I think we do this all the time. It's what you do when you put your partner through a stupid test just to see what happens. It's to like ease our own insecurity, I think. You may be in a Jim and Pam marriage. If there are as you just said, these big looming conversations that you know need to happen, but you're too afraid to make them happen. Yeah. You may be in a Jim and Pam marriage if you're using like relationship responsibilities against each other, i.e. the kids or that whole accountability marriage counseling thing. It's like yeah. you're trying to prove that you are the good one in there. Things that you want that you should do like joyfully, you're doing them to prove that you're the right one. Oof. Um, you, however, okay, this is my last one. So we're going to, we're going to try to leave it on a high note. So yeah, that, I was about to say these relatable content somehow are so much more depressing. You are in a Jim and Pam marriage. If you can't and won't have your life without this person, you know, I have my opinions about what they should have done, but I really don't think Jim would have been happy without Pam. Yeah, no, I, I do. I do want to also echo what you just said. And we're attacking the red flags. We're not attacking the people. When I talk about those relatable contents, I'm talking about like my fears for myself and my <laughs> yeah. I'm just like, whoa, this is scary. You should never do this. Yeah. Because you may be in a Jim and Pam marriage if sometimes the things that you like associated with happiness, like i.e. athlete, literally get dimmer in the bright light of your love. Like something that could be so exciting, like a startup that you have dreamed about since you were in college could literally lose its excitement because of love. Yeah. Before we get into the the darker stuff, the mostly season nine stuff, I think we should just have a cute little moment to talk about Jim and Pam as parents, because I think they're actually great parents. The send in the subs moment. Let's talk about it. Okay. Send in the subs, I think, is my favorite Jim and Pam quote. Oh, I think it's better than the cutoff tie. It's better than the smirk at the camera. And in the subs is so sweet. Tears in their eyes is a big acting moment for uh, Jenna Fisher and John, John Krasinski. And it gets me every time. I, I think they're one of those couples that thrives on a shared project or goal. Like even their entire flirtation in early romance was predicated on pranks on Dwight. And then, you yeah. know, that grew up and it became more taking care of Michael and taking care of Dwight. Yeah. I think that there are couples out there that are wonderful parents or wonderful when they have a shared project, but then the parenting becomes the dominant thing. And I think that that's what happens as we yeah. said in relatable content. Yeah. I think it's so cute the way they like the whole dance recital, Jim oh. her how to do the spin. Oh, it's just adorable. It does look like Pam does a lot of the heavy lifting, but I think that's because of the situation. Yeah. You can tell Jim's like fun dad, but at the same time, there are moments where Jim is like practicing 
diapering everything when he's like been practicing diapering on a football diapering all this stuff and when he has all the books the dad parenting books yes and he's like five to seven minutes yes (laughs) oh the moment pam goes into labor and it's jim and michael and kevin it is so funny it's so brilliant so I also love when they make, and this is a little bit what you were speaking to about there being a cool person in the relationship and they're not when, um, Robert California makes the list of the losers and the winners. And then Jim makes little, the little list for Pam where he's like winners are Cece and Philip and Pam and the losers are everything else. Classic Jim gesture. They're really good parents. Yeah. Okay, so there we go, everyone. We're starting off strong, and now we're just going to slowly, slowly dwindle because we're just going to briefly, because I don't even feel like it's really worth getting into, talk about this woman, Kathy, and this idea of threats to your relationship. Kathy is a villain. (laughs) They wrote her to be a villain. Kathy's not even temping anything. Like, what, what is she doing? Pam's job, but like, I don't even see. Kathy literally doesn't, maybe copied a piece of paper. She did nothing. She could not administrate an office. No, all she did was pose a threat. Here's the thing I think when you're a hot person, there will always be someone who has a crush on you. There will always be women in rubber flirting <laughs> with you. Kathy's not in rubber, is she? <laughs> no, that was just a rent joke. <laughs> Oh my God. (laughs) But yes, you're right. This isn't a thing that happens to relationships. This is a thing that happens to hot people. What this illustrated to me is that Jim and Pam can't handle any sort of jealousy. When you're dating someone hot, you eventually have to have this moment of, yes, my husband's hot. My person's hot. Of course, people are going to have a crush on them. And like, she's pregnant and hormonal. So I think that gets in her way. But to me, this is such a sign that these people don't go anywhere or do anything because this is such a new experience for Pam to have to deal with these jealous feelings. It should not have been as big of a moment as it was. And it's so funny to me that you had the impression that Jim cheated because I think Kathy goes down to like office fans as this big dramatic thing, but truly nothing happens. Yes. Listeners, I started before we started recording. I was like, Megan, did I do I have to watch an episode before we start of when he cheats on her? Because I heard that this happens and I watched everything. I don't know where we get that Jim cheats on Pam. I do not understand why that is labeled that. He doesn't even find her that attractive does he maybe he finds her kind of attractive but not really yeah he does admit like he objectively finds her attractive he's just not going to tell pam that because she's pregnant and hormonal which was the right call i don't know if some people assume that because kathy says something about like this marriage is in trouble trust me that they've done something but there's there's no way that they have because we see the whole hotel room scene where she throws herself at him and he does every possible thing he can including call Dwight to get her out of there. The only thing that I think if this happened and we don't even know that it did, if Jim is complaining to Kathy about his marriage, that's fucked up because she is a stranger and probably attracted to him and it's shitty when you complain about your relationship to someone who has a crush on you to like get that attention that's shitty but we don't actually see him do that we don't know that he does that I personally I don't think Jim talks to anyone about his relationship until he talks to Toby about it at the end of the season so I don't think he does that the Kathy thing is just the nature of being a hot person is that people will occasionally throw themselves at you and yes maybe you have to get better 
<laughs> at deflecting them than Jim is, but you know, it's a learning curve, I think for them, know, there's yeah. going to be more hot people in Austin. They're going to have to get better at it. They're going to have to get better at it. And it's also like, this is such a funny, like pro to the con that is, oh, they don't have any people in their life to talk to. It's like, also they have nobody to like, I don't know, emotionally cheat with. Yeah. Okay. So, <laughs> so Jim doesn't cheat with Kathy and Pam doesn't cheat with Brian, but she might have. I So this just brings us to season nine <laughs> and the fiasco of a marriage of season nine. And there are so many reasons that are years in the making because of the way that their relationship is set up. But I do think it's helpful to break down the facts of what happens Yes. I love this, Megan. We should always lead with logic, yes. not emotion. Let's talk facts and timelines before I say how I feel about Brian. Before <laughs> <laughs> I say how I feel about this man in denim. All right. This is the timeline. Jim's friend approaches him about a job in Philadelphia, which was an idea they had in high school. And he does tell Pam about this idea. Pam does know that the business is starting. Pam makes some comment in the first episode of season nine about how nothing's ever going to change at this point. We see Jim have like a visible reaction to that. Jim takes the job, does not tell Pam about it, but does tell Daryl about it. After he tells Daryl, he eventually does tell Pam. Also, Dan and Daryl. We are Daryl fans. Oh, he is incredible. Fuck me, Daryl. I love you, Daryl. Daryl, I would argue, is a better uh, wife to Jim than Pam is. Daryl calls Jim out on his shit uh, way before Pam does. Boom, boom, boom. Wave that flag, baby. And Daryl tracks what Jim wants in life. Yes. Daryl knows that Jim wants this and, and rejoices when he can get it. Yes. Daryl is a better spouse. We all want a Daryl. Okay. <laughs> so Jim's takeaway from the conversation with Pam is that everything is great. And Pam is so great for understanding. Pam, however, tells the camera, which just so we're tracking, we now know is Brian. Brian's there, that she does not feel great about it. Jim starts working in Philly two days a week. So two days a week, Pam is home with the kids. Jim misses a dance recital. Because of a big investor pulling out, Pam promises to get a video of it. She can't get the video because she took the phone call about the mural. They have this fight. You know what? I, I don't think you want to start a conversation with me about what's fair, okay? This is way more intense Pam, than I ever I'm not what? explaining this to you. Pam, I'm not going over Jim, this again. I don't know how else to, we, we I need you. To, I don't know how else to tell you, okay? I'm doing everything I can every week. To bring home I something am, for I, our family. I am trying to make everything perfect here, okay? So that you can have everything that you want. I'm doing this just for me? Is that what I'm doing? I'm doing it just for me. If that's what you think, then this is a really sad night. So this is the moment that leads Pam to break down and look at Brian. And Brian, the boom operator, goes to comfort Pam. Dun, 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 dun. It's Brian, 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 Brian. Oh, and it's going to get more Brian, 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 Brian. Because shortly after that, Pam's mural gets destroyed. This warehouse guy who, again, looks like a villain. 
tries to attack Pam over it. And Brian, the boom operator, defends her. He gets fired for it. And before he goes, he tells her if she ever needs anything, he'll be there for her. In the next episode, we find out Brian is getting divorced. Jim finds out about the breakdown, the crying that he did not know about before. Then Pam interviews for a job in Philadelphia. And after she does, she tells Jim that she doesn't want this and that it shouldn't come as a shock. We'll play this exchange. I know it's just even if it was um, a great boss and a great job, I just I don't I don't know if I if I want um, I don't know if I want this. Huh. It's a little out of left field. Is it? I just, I, I liked our life in Scranton. And I have started a business in Philadelphia. The trailer for the doc comes out, which leads Pam to go to Brian for another reason, but she ends up asking Brian if she thinks Jim has changed. Jim and Pam go to couples therapy, but before they do, they speak with Nellie and Toby respectively, and they have conversations about their relationship that sound like this. He took this job in Philly without telling me. He bought our house without telling me. At a certain point, he shouldn't be rewarded for that. If I didn't do certain things without telling Pam, she'd be married to Roy. <laughs> I feel like he's always making these decisions for the family, and then I'm left playing catch-up. If she can just hang on for a little while longer, I, this will be so huge for our family. I'm sure Athlete will be a huge success, but I don't want him to do it anymore, and I don't want to give him an ultimatum, but I am not moving our family to Philly. Well, if Pam says she won't go, then... <laughs> We're going to need a lot more than counseling. <laughs> oh, they try out all these new therapy techniques that they learn. It feels really weird. And at the end of this episode is where we have the hug in the parking lot. They play the audio from their wedding. And Pam melts into the hug. They kiss and they say, I love you. In the next episode, we learn Jim has stopped working for Athlete, says it's been great. Daryl tells him Athlete is going to do a buyout for a three-month tour Jim's immediate reaction is that he can't do that to Pam and the kids. Some time goes by and Daryl tells Pam how great the tour is. And then she freaks out that he's going to resent her. Wow. <sighs> so that's where to stop for now. While you're doing that timeline, I put it together. Daryl M is my couple name for Daryl and Jim. That's a great timeline. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So it's a lot. But what's so interesting to me about this season and everyone's very, very strong opinions and reactions to this season is that there are things that Jim and Pam freak out about that we as an audience freak out about about that are very normal marriage things. But on the office between Jim and Pam, they feel like they're the end of the world. And then there are also these things that happen that are not normal, that do not make for a normal, healthy marriage. And it's insane that a couple we think is so great have these issues. So we're going to go through some of these factors and we're going to play a little game called, is this normal or is this not normal? Normal or not normal? A classic game. Let's break it down and compare and contrast. Right. Because it's obviously, you know, not normal. We're not trying to judge anyone. Every relationship is different, but it'd be the type of thing when you are waving your pink flag, when your girls are holding rosé, where you tell your friend, this is not normal behavior. Exactly. It's pink flagging. Exactly. We're going to pink flag the shit out of this timeline. Let's go. Buckle up. All right. So the first factor, let's talk about this idea of not knowing what your spouse wants out of their life. Whew. Is this normal or is this not normal? Angela, what do we think? 
You think it's normal to like walk down the aisle, think like confess your undying love for somebody and only talk to each other and know every single thing about each other, but not know what they want to do with the rest of their life career wise? I don't know. I don't know, but I think I'm going to throw up my pink flag because this is not normal. Not normal. Please see your friends at a bar. Not normal. I, we start. We talked about this last episode, but it is not normal to not know what your spouse wants out of their life. I asked someone their five-year plan on a first date. That being said, I have not been on a second date in over a year. So <laughs> I, I literally asked my waiters what their five-year plan is. <laughs> like, come on. Aren't, don't we live in the future? Isn't that what our generation's about? What's next? Goal setting, aspiration. You know how in Dwight's fantasy game where Dwight plays himself, except he can fly. Yeah. And Jim has created his own character in that. And he's like, lives in Philadelphia and has a guitar. And Pam's like, wait, I want to hear more about Philly Jim. Like, we that's in an early season. Jim has known for years that he doesn't want to do this job forever. He's known for years that he wants to apparently even as specific as live in Philadelphia for 10 years, in fact, because we know this from the pilot. So the fact that Pam doesn't know is crazy. And the thing is that it's come up. We see these moments where it could become a conversation come up and it just doesn't have a conversation. And I'd argue like, I I think it's kind of impossible that she wouldn't know. And that's like another thing I think that happens in relationships. Somebody could just like not like this thing about that person and act like Mm. they don't know it. But also I'd argue that this might be the result of how having children changes you. Maybe that fire in Pam died when she had babies, which isn't an issue. Like maybe she just changed her priorities and wanted to slow down versus Jim, who was like not skipping a beat and was like still on the path. I mean, I'm adding dialogue to something that I don't know happened, but the important part is to communicate along the way. Right. Change what you want. You're allowed to change and be Jim Philly, Philly Jim, but you have to like talk about it. Right. So what do we think the effect of the fact that they don't know each other's five-year plan or uh, any plan? What do you think the effect of not having this conversation is? Not having the conversation, I think then like stigmatizes the conversation and then we're, we're running away from the conversation for like five straight episodes. Not having it's one thing, but then like being scared to do it and just doing anything but have it to the point where he's like on payroll at athlete and she doesn't even know. It breeds like this tiptoeing lifestyle, tiptoeing around each other when something doesn't align with each other. And that's not why you want to get in a relationship. Scary. Yeah. So much of what goes wrong in their relationship could have been solved by a simple conversation of what do you want? I think this is why he takes the job without telling her because they can't have this conversation. I feel like this is why Pam feels like things are moving too fast because I don't think she even once he's there, I don't even think she fully realizes that like this is the goal for them to move to Philly. That seems like new information to her. And that gives them to this very ultimatey place. All of this could have been solved by one conversation. Even the scenes where Jim is just in Scranton at, at Dunder Mifflin and he's like also working for athlete. It, he just doesn't look like he, he belongs there anymore. Like it's just like stupid work compared to stuff where he's like on fire on the phone walking yeah. around this, like cool warehouse. It's painted red. Like it's just very like different vibes coming from him. And that spoils the time when he's back in Scranton. It, it ruins the time when they're apart and when they're together. 
which they don't express because let's go to my second point of normal or not normal. And that is the factor of not communicating about anything hard or anything real. What do we feel like this is a normal or a not normal thing? I would say this. I'd say, unfortunately, it is normal for a lot of relationships yeah. to do this. Is it healthy? Absolutely not. No. <laughs> um, and why it's still the norm to like avoid hard conversations and do witty banter before that is insane to me. It's like being like, it's so much easier to drive a car without a seatbelt. It's unsafe, guys. <laughs> Don't get on the 405 without your seatbelt on. Yeah, I know, yes. But yeah, it's not normal for me, Megan. What do you think? Angela, I'm going to have to go and say that this is not normal. Here's the moment that stood out to me. There's a moment in, I don't even think it's season nine. I think it's an earlier season where Dwight is being obnoxious about something in the building and Pam threatens to rent out another office space for everyone when she's office administrator. And she has this conversation with Jim in the stairway where she's like, I don't want to fail at this. Like I failed at being a salesman and I failed at being an artist, like something really real, like something that would come out of an acting class exercise. So yeah. you're a freshman in college where you're like, oh, I guess that's my like emotional truth. And what is your sentence? Like, like every human has one thing that everything stems from, which is so wrong. <laughs> right. Yeah. But it's like, she just said that to him. At this point, they are married. And to him, this feels like brand new information where he's like, what, what, what do you, what do you mean? And she goes, well, I'm not a salesman and I'm not an artist. How is this a new conversation for the two of you? And it just makes me feel like these two people do not talk about anything real or hard at all. They certainly don't know how to fight, but I don't even think they know how to be vulnerable about their feelings with each other. Yeah. And I'd argue like there was that whole episode in season nine where they talk about how much they know about each other and they know everything about each other. Mm -hmm. And I think that might be what breeds this behavior of like not wanting to talk about things that maybe are just like mm. obvious or like, I bet Jim knows that like he tracks her failures as a salesperson and tracks her failures as when she's going through her art troubles or whatever. I think they are so in tune with each other that they don't talk about difficult things because they think they get it. And they think yeah. it might be too uncomfortable to talk about. And I already know that she's trying to figure it out because the sales thing didn't work. So let's just like not talk about it. So then when he does say like polarizing things like that, it like sobers him up and he's like, oh my God, like she just said it and I maybe knew about it and maybe she knew about it, but we never wanted to talk about it because we don't want to go to uncomfortable places together. Yeah. It's just not a good move. And I had a huge epiphany five seconds ago. You and I have been talking this whole time being like, you know what? Pam has no friends. And we're also saying Brian Gate came out of nowhere. If you put it together and you're like in this universe, every time she's talking to the camera, she's talking to Brian. Mm. I.e. Brian is her rosé gal pal. I.e. That is the only healthy relationship she has because she's actually talking about the truth and she's saying real things and Brian's listening. Yeah. So I wonder why. We act like it was just a crazy plot point, but that is a healthy relationship right there. Yeah. She's everything. She doesn't hide anything from the camera. Yeah. Yeah. The effect of not having these vulnerable conversations is that they don't know how to fight. And I think everyone in a relationship needs to know how to fight. There's a point where 
Jim is going to go to Philadelphia instead of going home with Pam on Valentine's Day because he's like, well, I just feel like if we go home, we're going to fight. And I think the fact that they don't talk about their feelings. And again, he should know. You're right. Like he probably does know, but he at least doesn't know to the full effect how hard this has been on Pam. And this is why Pam doesn't tell him about Brian and having a breakdown in front of him. And this is why all the things they have to do in therapy of like, hey, I appreciate you that you did this feel so awkward and weird to them because they don't know how to go to this place. Yeah. I mean, it's like written like they're making fun of it because they're so uncomfortable. It just shows they don't communicate that way. They really don't. Yeah. Yeah. And let's talk about uh, codependency. They're codependent. And we've said it a million times. These people need more friends. But I think more so, they really just need a life outside of each other. There there are years between Pam's art show and then in a later season, I think in season eight or nine, she's doing murals in her kid's bedroom. And she's like, oh, it's so nice to get back to art. Art yeah. is something that has fulfilled her her whole life. She should have been doing this this whole time and and finding time to have a life outside of gym, outside of the office, and outside of her kids. That's yeah. healthy. That's necessary. Yeah, I swear to you, the words that were about to come out of my mouth were: she should have been like an art team, like a team that does. <laughs> oh my god, that's brilliant! She should just she needs like a bowling team, like with her art. Like she needs like a club. She needs like, and honestly. Maybe because the show is written around the office, maybe that does exist. But in a normal world, somebody that does work that job and goes home and does nothing else, that is going to breed weird, weird behavior and thinking for the rest of your life. You don't have other outlets. You need that. Well, I think what it this like extreme codependency breeds in Pam is that her entire worth is come to be defined by Jim. And you said in an earlier episode about how sometimes we see this happened when someone enters a relationship, being deemed loved or lovable makes you feel more worthy. And I think that's part of the reason why she's terrified of him leaving or moving on because she has made her whole life about him and she doesn't feel like she has any worth without his attention and his love it seems because she doesn't know how to do anything on her own like in the episode where the warehouse guy defaces her mural she's kind of like jim's out like i'm on my own here and i'm like good pam you should be Jim made mistakes in going to Philly and there were things that he did that were selfish and not handled well. But I do feel like you should be able to handle more time apart from your spouse than these two could. And part of the reason is that they are so incredibly codependent. Let's uh, get into uh, taking a job without telling your spouse. Uh, How does this um, line up on the scale of normal to not normal? Mm, It's not looking good for me, Megan. (laughs) Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and say not a normal thing to do. Yeah, you can walk like weird kinky porn without your right that's fine but like maybe taking like a full job but it's like getting a dog and not telling your partner yeah. be like oh it's a secret the spot lives in the back <laughs> yeah. she'll never know yeah this to me is just a moment of jim acting like a child and there's a lot there's a whole lot of jim acting like a child this season but doing this because the idea of having a conversation that might upset Pam is it's not a good enough reason. You're just being a baby. You didn't want to have a hard conversation. Get over yourself. Grow up, bitch. (laughs) Grow up, bitch. 
next factor, going through a period of change as a family. As a family. This is a really normal thing. It's normal, especially when we all know what each other's desires and wants mm-hmm. when we are when we are already working from a place of openness change is not a scary thing how often does it happen that your family dynamic stays exactly the same the 18 years that you have a kid in the house or you live in the same place or you each parent has the same job. Family dynamics change over time. Couples change over time. We're talking about Jim being there full time, spending truly 24 hours a day with Pam to being out of town two days a week. And to think about the amount of families where one parent consistently travels for work. That was my experience growing up. I know it's not easy on the other parent, but it's an extremely normal thing that happens. Yes. And it's extremely normal for someone's work to be a little bit more heavy handed or stressful at a mm-hmm. time than the other. Like, it was very understandable for my parents growing up. Even more intense work, like contractually, like kind of like gig to gig. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was like so give and take when one time it was like mom gave us dinner and one time dad would give us dinner. And it just mm-hmm. like went up and down. And I think Pam just thought for some reason, like the second, I mean, actually, I don't blame her. Like the second he starts working at athlete, her whole life is just going to be taking care of the kids and he will never I think it does put more work on her as a parent, but I also think most of the reason she freaks out is because things are changing. I think things are changing. Number one being, I think she feels like she's losing him. And that's, I didn't think about this till now. That's on him to make sure that she knows that she's not losing him. He should have gotten to the music video. Yeah. (laughs) The DVD kind of gesture faster. And it's interesting to me, we had this whole conversation about when she goes to art school, how they do seem to be good at one point in acknowledging when things are hard, but they aren't able to do it here. And that might be the running start they had with it because like Mm -hmm. so on fire for each other. But like, it wasn't the circumstance that threw them off. It was just the way they handled it because they've Mm -hmm. handled that before. But I think that happens where, you know, especially dating someone who is an entrepreneur or I would even say a lawyer, but an especially artists where like sometimes a job or a passion project or something very specific going on in your life will take over for your spouse. And I think it's just like a normal ebb and flow of a long-term relationship to have to adapt when that happens with the understanding that it at some point will happen for you. And with the understanding on the person with the passion project that they have to also be able to take care of their partner as changes are happening. But this that led nicely to my next one because my next thing is going through a rough patch in a marriage. That's not an abnormal thing. They freak out about it, but that's very normal. Everything from the, like the, what we were talking about earlier, the kind of like idea of a rut of like, wow, we really told each other everything to yeah. like the awkwardness. They have these kind of awkward phone calls where he's in Philadelphia and they're like, uh, 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 okay. And it feels like the show is trying to make us believe that they've lost their chemistry and they've lost their yeah. magic. And that's, that's not the case. They just think, awkwardness comes into relationships sometimes. I think it particularly comes into relationships when you're not saying something that you should be saying, but all relationships have moments like this and that's very normal and nothing to freak out about. Oh my God. I, I, yeah. And you know what? You're always so 
brave and talking about your life, I'll go there and I'll be like, my boyfriend and I, like since the quarantine, we realized like our phone call sometimes is just like, uh uh-huh. All right. I got nothing to say. I don't know. It's easy to like get in your head about being like, oh my God, is this not exciting? Are we having to talk about? I don't know. We're in a global pandemic. We both don't have really jobs. There's a lot going on and we don't have to freak out. It's it's normal, but it's also so normal to be scared by that. And like, you know, we see episodes where Jim and Pam talk the whole entire day on the phone when she's at art school and they have that episode where they're like Bluetooth in each other's ear the whole day. So to go from that to not having something to say, but I think that that's so normal. And I I don't think it's anything to read into whether it's a global pandemic or just a weird day. I think it happened. Okay. The next thing I want to talk about is that I again will say is very normal is having a friend be there for you when your partner cannot be. And this is where the Brian comes in. Ryan, bring him in. Take down the take down the boom. I've always thought those boom guys are getting nice biceps. Uh-huh. Brian uh-huh. the whole time has been working out and listening to Pam. What a dream. He's been growing his biceps and his heart for nine years. Oh, he's just literally been resting his arms all up like a fucking Superman listening to her talk about how much she's losing touch with Jim. What a dream guy. I love him. I love the way that he just so insecurely, like when she walks in to talk about, I don't know, like, what are the documentaries? Have they been filming this whole time? And he's like, hey, come in. Let me get us some drinks. Yeah. <laughs> and she just sits, he like just gets her a beer. They just sit down outside. It happens so fast. Yeah. It's just like, what a guy that knows to shoot his shot. He's like, she's never going to be in my apartment again. I have to get, I have to get a drink to sit her down. Here's the thing. Brian clearly has feelings for her. And we see that in that, like the, if you ever need anything, I'll be there for you. And then he breaks up it with his wife. But Pam, if you ever had anyone else to talk to about your relationship, even if it was a straight, striking bicep laden man, then it wouldn't have been (laughs) such a big deal that you're, that she confides in Brian. If she had a consistent practice of talking like it like it's yoga but if she was consistently like getting rosé with her friends then it should not have been a big deal to cry to somebody about your relationship it becomes a big deal when you're not talking to your partner about it and only talking to another person and only talking to one other person and that person has feelings for you yeah that's when it is a big deal This did not have to be a big deal. It doesn't matter that she's friends with this straight white male that looks just like her partner. Uh, (laughs) Like it's, it's okay. Um, I think it's just not okay when they don't know. Right. I have a lot of friends. I like spread myself a little thin and just like to collect lots of friends. And sometimes my boyfriend like won't know all my friends and then I'll talk to a dude or something that he doesn't know. And he's like, who's that? What? Huh? And it's not that I'm talking to somebody of that gender or whatever. It's that when he doesn't know who's in my life, I think it's natural for your partner to just be like, are you hiding things? And he knows about Brian, but her not telling Jim that she had like a mental breakdown about him and went to Brian about it is weird. That's what I meant. Yes. And yeah. Like putting his arm around her and her not saying like, yeah, you know, I had this like really like intimate moment with Brian. (laughs) Yeah. Because it could have been, you know, Brian, we're friends with Brian and his wife. I had this breakdown. He was there for me. Could have been a very normal situation. 
it became a bigger deal because, because honestly, she kind of made it to be. She does a little bit of like, what am I doing wrong, Brian? And then she's like, do you think Jim has changed, Brian? Like she leans into it a little bit. It's a natural thing. It's just a scary behavior to repeat when your relationship is kind of dead and there's like not a lot of life in there and Mm -hmm. you're looking for life or just not attention, but like presence. You're looking for someone to be present with you anywhere. Like just, yes, she's so scared or her and Jim are both so scared of being honest with each other that now she just like literally needs to talk to somebody else, which sucks. And that's their fault. Yeah. While we're here, let's, let's talk about it. Do you think Pam had real feelings for him, for Brian? Do you think she would have cheated? Um, no, I don't think she was into Brian. I think she was into somebody that was like in front of her that was there. Mm -hmm. I think she really likes time. Yeah. Quality time. And I think this happens all the time where we fall for the person that just opens themselves up to us. Yes. I don't blame her at all for that, especially because Jim wasn't doing that. I I don't think she would have cheated. I don't think she had that in her. But I do think like, let's say they really did take it down this road and Jim and Pam did divorce. I think she would start dating Brian because where she's at, she 100%. can't be alone. And she she does need that person, that kind of security. A couple other n- very normal things that uh, I want to talk about is uh, growing up. normal where she's like in that conversation with brian where she's like do you think jim's changed i'm like uh bitch i fucking hope he has you've known him since you were 24 he is a father now he is the father to your children i sure as hell hope he is not the same person he was 10 years ago I remember middle school when girls would be like, you've changed. And then <laughs> when that was like a, a really mean thing to say about somebody. Yeah. And then the older I grew, it was like, oh no, like change is good. And you should change. But how someone could use it against somebody mm-hmm. when they just miss the person. Like, I don't think anyone's actually like, you've changed. You act differently around this office. That's not what's making her mad. It's that you've changed. You don't want to be here. When you're hurt like that, you want to go for the jugular and you want to be like, you're gone. And Jim, I think, knows this. And when he does go back and he becomes the like assistant regional manager and he has this whole day where he's pulling this like long con on Dwight to for Dwight to make himself the assistant to the assistant regional manager, he knows that Pam will like this. Because Pam like loves Goofy Jim. Obviously, he is the same person. He still has this in him. She just doesn't like that he now has other more adult ambitions outside of this. I think it's him wanting to be the office versus not wanting to be off the office. Yes. Yeah, I think. And that's a growing up thing. It's impossible. It's impossible for someone not to grow and change in a relationship. And again, I will say, just imagine if these genders were reversed And a dude was getting pissed that his wife is now ambitious and wants to start her own business. We would be marching in the streets. (laughs) We'd have much more than pink flags, baby. We'd have pink beans. And we'd be pissed. I mean, she says many times I'm like happy that he's doing athlete, but she's just pissed. It's like in Philadelphia, right? I don't know. Part of me feels like it's as minute as he is not in the desk next to her all day. Like even when he moves back to the annex, they like have a problem with it. I think it's her not being able to handle 
change. Um, the last normal thing that I always have to point it out when it happens on a TV show, uh, going to therapy. Yes. We love it. I also, we see therapy now in television more and more, but now I think it's going to be a thing of the past where therapy's an event where it's like in the episode description, it was like, Jim and Pam go to couples therapy where it's like, yeah. mm, this is a new thing. Oh, uh, Pam has lice. Um, right. Therapy. <laughs> it's like, one day it's going to be normal, but we love it. We love that they're doing it. We love therapy. I, yeah, I hope in the future that it is no longer like a plot point when a person or a couple goes to therapy. It is not like, here's how we're going to show that this relationship or this individual is crumbling. It's like, oh, the elevator's broken. That's what this episode's about. The next episode is about therapy. Not right. so. Crazy circumstances. <laughs> right. It should be assumed that everyone is going to therapy. No, I, wait, I love this. We should imagine that all characters in television shows are actively in therapy. <laughs> <laughs> like Joey Tribbiani sees a therapist once a week. Yeah, yeah. And then the conversation is about how good people's therapists are. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I like gave them shit at the beginning of this episode for like making a bit out of it. But I mean, it is unnatural for these two to talk that way. I mean, Jim does go without appreciating a lot of things Pam does, especially around the kids. Yeah. But to your point, like some of the things that they do for her to not be able to tell him like, oh, I actually drink coffee. Like that's if that level of communication isn't happening, um, I would make fun of them too. <laughs> the coffee thing is also like, oh, you're not telling him that you have a dog. It's like so right. obvious. If anyone handed me tea ever, I would be like, bring this back and get me an espresso. I'd be like, you don't know my name. Oh, okay. So that has been normal or not normal. I hope it was comforting or discomforting, whatever it needed to be. Thank you for playing. Um, we will now return to the plot. Let's talk about choices that were made. Choices that were made. Jim gives up the job. Angela, what do you think? Should he have had to give up the job? God. Uh, you know, oh my God, my dog is peeing on my flannel. He's peeing on on my flannels. You know, Pam just took a big piss on top of Jim's dream flannel at Athlete. <laughs> a huge old piss. No, I don't know. I go back and forth. It would be a bad sign for me if you told me your boyfriend didn't want you to take a certain job unless that job was harmful towards you. But I don't know. Here's the thing. I don't know what it's like to have kids. It's a whole other bald game. I don't know. Like when you have kids, I feel like it's like actually sometimes appropriate to tell each other what to do. You have, you're in charge of lives now. I don't know. The whole mm -hmm. thing, what do you think? Honestly, no. I, in, in the non-fictional world, if someone was like looking at the situation and felt like they were in a Jim and Pam situation, I would say generally, non-fictionally, absolutely not. I don't think you should have to put your partner in a position to give up on their dream, especially when they are someone who has never asked for this before or never done anything to inconvenience the relationship at all. He's asking for one thing. In the five years of the relationship, this is the one time he hasn't been the like, quote unquote, hero of the relationship. Yep. Yes, he should have anticipated how much this was going to affect Pam more than he did. He should have put more systems in place to support her and the kids. 
whether that was having more family members around to help her, whether that was setting clearer boundaries with his new partners about when he should be home. And like, she's completely right. He should not be interrupting their conversations to take phone calls, etc. But when she wants to go to art school and again, pre-kids, but he is right there. He is right on board. And here's the thing. It's not just that. She's asking him to give up a job. It, she's kind of asking him to bring up like his career dream, something he built. Imagine if you wrote a show, wrote a pilot, it got picked up. You're the star, you're the showrunner, and your partner asked you not to go and make it. Oh my God. God. Or worse, imagine if it got recast and it went on without you in it. Yeah, you're right. This isn't a job. This is a dream. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that is not good. It's not that he was giving up this dream so that Pam could have her dream. It wasn't that it was picking Jim's dream over Pam's dream or Jim's opportunity over Pam's opportunity. Mm-hmm. Pam was giving up comfort. She wasn't giving up a dream. So... And generally, I would say no. Yeah. I do think, though, for Pam and Jim, because of who Pam is and where Pam was, I think this was the only way that he could have shown, proved to her that she is his number one. She needs that security so much. I think it's the only thing he could have done. Yeah. What I can get behind is like him getting swept up in athlete and like, Losing his sense of self in that, I can get behind that and him then having a moment being like, oh, no, no, these are my priorities. Because I think that happens with everybody in jobs. But he stopped playing a role that he had already been playing before in their relationship as the dominant caregiver. Yes. And to the point where my mind blew, Megan, when at the end, when they're doing the Uh Q&A, like, what did you do for him? And then multiple times said how unequal it is. And I was like, oh, right. This is crazy. Like, what did you think? Okay. Watch rewatching the ninth season. I did not remember how it ended. I did not remember what she did in the finale. So I was convinced this entire season that they were just going to stay in Scranton. So when these women in the panel were like yelling at her, I was like, yeah, this is what we're all feeling and thinking. And I kind of thought it was like a very funny, like wink, wink. The writers are writing what the entire audience has been screaming all season. (laughs) Absolutely. It's like they did. They gave us like a little something and they were like, yeah, you guys aren't crazy. It is fun that on this podcast, we can just like, we get to talk about these relationships and they're not real, but it was nice to have real people give us the yes. knowledge that was, no, we get it. This is unequal. Yeah. And it was so satisfying because I feel like you and I both love this couple, but we don't want to hate on this couple because it's a, a big beloved couple. But when that happened, it was a win. It was a win for us all to Okay, so we're about to get into both gestures, but I want to talk real quick before we do about this idea of I'm not going to be enough for you. And um, I'll play the audio from the scene. Are you happy? Yes, I'm happy. I know, I know that you're like happy and like you had fun today and that was fun, but what about a year from now? What? What about five years from now? Because I'm so glad you're back, baby, but I'm just... I was talking to Daryl and he was talking about the trip and I just feel like you're giving up so much. This was my decision, not yours. You okay. didn't force me. I kind of forced you to. You did not force me to do this. Yes, I, did. I don't know how else to tell you. I'm afraid you're going to resent me and I'm afraid that resent this is not you. enough for you and I'm afraid that I'm not enough for you. 
Is that really what you think? But this idea of, am I going to be enough for you? And this concept of one person wanting more than their partner in a relationship. I think this does happen a lot. Do you think that there is a way to reconcile with that? I mean, this is like, you know how everyone has those like few lies that they believe about themselves. I think, first of all, this was probably in her psyche before Jim. Yes. I think this was like a Roy thing and like a growing up thing. But I, I do feel for her like for some reason when we were little and dating, we were like so scared that someone would get sick of us. Mm-hmm. Like similar to like, am I enough? You're going to get sick of me. I feel for her feeling this way. Um, but the circumstances around why she feels this way to me are red flags. Like because I would feel so uncomfortable if it was coming down to me versus a job for my partner. I think this whole time they have been equals. They're at the same job. They do the same things together all the all the time. And then all of a sudden, Jim becomes this big shot person. Here's the epiphany I feel like I had in trying to figure this out is that I think that there are people in the world with very clear dreams. We We are some of those people. There are people who want to change the world. They want to affect people. They want to create art and innovate and heal or educate and all of these things. And I think a lot of the time, those dreams and passions are our first loves. And I think most of the time, if our second love, our second love being our person, our partner, et cetera, asks us to give up our first love, I don't think there's a way to reconcile with that. I think you have to find someone to be your life partner that is okay with having both loves of your life. That is a great way to look at it because my first love being like my goals and what I want for myself before anything else is so freaking tied to my view of who I am. Yeah. How I love myself to a fault. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. it's a great way to look at it that like that will come between a person and I understand it makes you have sympathy for these situations. Yeah. But I don't think everybody has those, this is what I want to do with my life moments. So then when the great romance of their life comes into their life, that becomes number one. But, and so this is why I think for them, it, it, it works and they are able to reconcile it. Pam, I think is Jim's first love. And I think it is her his truest love and his biggest love. You know, athlete is a dream. It's something he's been wanting to do for a while, but it's not his first, greatest, brightest burning love because if it was, he would have been pursuing that from the time he yeah. was 24 instead of working at a yeah. paper company. It's a great point. So Pam is his first love. And that's why I feel like the, you are not enough for me. You are my everything holds yeah. true with Jim and Pam. Yeah. So let's play, let's play the little speech. Let's play the speech to Dwight. Oh, guys, get your hearts out. Get your out. Here's the speech. I don't know what you want me to tell you, man. All I know is that every time I've been faced with a tough decision, there's only one thing that outweighs every other concern. One thing that will make you give up on everything you thought you knew. Every instinct, every Rational calculation. Some sort of virus. Love. Dwight, listen. No matter what happens, you gotta forget about all the other stuff. You gotta forget about logic and fear and doubt. You just gotta do 
everything you can to get to the one woman who's going to make all this worth it. At the end of the day, you got to jump. Not enough for me. You are everything. I guess this is what I was trying to just say is that for Jim, I think this is really true. Pam is the person who has motivated all his decisions and actions, even when things seem unclear. Pam is what got him through. Pam is what got Jim to work for years. Pam is who inspired him to grow up and to, to spring into action to win her. She is who caused him to take a role in the Michael Scarn movie so he could spend more time with her. She is who kept him pranking on Dwight so they would have inside jokes. Pam is what motivated him to become a father and a man. Uh, And I do think a big why of why he wants to start athlete is to provide a better life for Pam. Yes. This idea of someone being your everything. Is she his everything? I hope not because I don't think one person should be your everything, but she is so important that I think she does eclipse everything else. And I do believe this from Jim. I love that. If I ever gave a speech like this, I would be lying. I mean, when I'm old, this is definitely how I'll feel because I was talking to my 80 year old grandma today and she was like talking about finding your person. And she was like, that's your person. And then that's it. And I was like, I get it for like old people. It's like, this is your everything. That's the only time I think I can get behind that statement. Yeah. I just don't think someone, someone being my everything, I'd be like, you are my 85%. Because I mean, you could edit this out because I'm being repetitive. But if I said to you, Megan, you're my everything and you got a dream job at athlete or athlete, you wouldn't want to take it because I just told you that you're my everything. You would feel guilty. Yes. And I never want to make you feel guilty for doing something that you're going to do. Yes. Which, thank God. No, I'm glad you said that. I'm going to keep it in because it transitioned us perfectly into Pam's gesture in the series finale, which is that she finally does learn that she does not want to make Jim give up anything for her. I didn't watch the whole documentary. After a few episodes, it was too painful. I kept wanting to scream at Pam. It took me so long to do so many important things. It's just hard to accept that I spent so many years being less happy than I could have been. Jim was five feet from my desk and it took me four years to get to him. It'd be great if people saw this documentary and learned from my mistakes. Not that I'm a tragic person, I'm really happy now, but it would just, just make my heart sore. If someone out there saw this and she said to herself, be strong, trust yourself, love yourself, conquer your fears, just go after what you want and act fast because life just isn't that long. Pam teaches us in this clip that it is worth watching TV shows to learn from people's mistakes. And she just validated the whole concept of what we've been doing for the past four weeks. Yes. Oh, God, that's so real. That She just gave, okay, the end, it's like they're talking to the Talking Shit podcast. They, they literally <laughs> talk about everything we talked about and they like say it to the camera and I'm like, Am I make? Is it two in the morning and Pam is talking to me? It's just so real. She literally looks at us and she's like, "Yeah, take no. Like this is you could take this to be real or not." And that's what we're doing. Choo choo all the time. You know, she grows up and she's open to change. And if I think she hadn't, they would have stayed at that office forever. And I think it would have gotten 
dark? God, it would have been less funny dark, and Brian would be gone, and maybe she'd get random drinks with Brian on his terrace every once. He has <laughs> weird IPAs at four p.m. Oh. So what do you feel like um, the future of Jim and Pam is? What do you think they do in Austin? Well, honestly, I be based off of what you were just talking about with the final gesture with this final gesture, I am now confident enough to say that they start a new chapter on equal footing with communication as their guide. I, I do think I, I ship the hell out of them as old, older parents. I think if anything, they're going to, kill it in the like younger adult part of their parenting when they're parenting like 11 year olds oh what yeah. is michael scott if he's not an 11 year old you know what i mean like they're gonna like know exactly. exactly how to do it and like all these little fun little pranks fun little bits and learning how to live in like life's mess and life's awkwardness that's that's who they are what do you think the card said oh oh well do you know the story of what it actually says no. like in a, a non-fictional way what it actually says is it's John Krasinski writing a letter to Jenna Fisher about what their time together on the office has meant. Oh my god! <laughs> I know. I'm literally crying. <gasps> Fuck off! He is too perfect. I know. I know. Yeah, I I also now feel confident about the future of Jim and Pam. You know what I hope for Pam? I hope she becomes an art teacher. Ooh, I love that. Wouldn't that be good? And I think Jim, I hope he doesn't become like a sports guy, startup douche, but rather the opposite direction is I hope he becomes like a dorky, like kids basketball coach. Oh, that's cute. Angela, we're going to start wrapping it up. I would like to end the seasons by defining in the best way we possibly can what the Jim and Pam relationship is. If someone was to tell you their situation and you said, you know what, this is, you're in kind of a Jim and Pam situation. What would it say? And this will be good to end this way because we just spent the whole episode shitting on them. But these people are so fucking into each other. It is truly unconditional love. So I think you are in a Jim and Pam relationship if it's you are into someone or with someone that makes you uncontrollably smile because you caught their eye across the room. It's the person that you want to share every accomplishment with because they will be prouder of you than you could ever be. And it's the person you want to share every funny moment with because together you'll make it funnier than you could have done on your own. It's the person that makes every moment richer. You're each other's best friend and ultimate companion. And these parts of the relationship are so beautiful. And I think that makes you a Jim and Pam. And especially because... God, there's just so much crap in this world. And, you know, they secretly love these coworkers on the office, but there are many, many non-fictional annoying coworkers and bad bosses yeah. and career setbacks out there. So if at the end of the day, you just find someone that's so into you, that's going to be like Beasley or insert your last name here because <laughs> you pulled off like a silly office prank. Yeah. I think that's enough sometimes. Yes. And so that to me would be a Jim and Pam. Yeah. It's just someone that's so fucking into you. Like, oh my God. Okay. These two people are like the people that make the shitty and boring parts of life. Okay. Like, you know what I mean? Like to be real here, we talk so much about like stupid acting school and yeah. acting desires and this dumb disease we have but at the end of the day like most of america 
And like you and I, it's just like about like the boring day job and the boring getting your groceries, the annoying people, the annoying bosses that are actually awful and actually like emotionally mess you up. And those people that you find light and love with through it out. Being able to just feel okay in the middle of the longest year in the world. The fact that they just give each other so much excitement in the small things in this life is my favorite part about them. On that beautiful, beautiful note, Angela, would you like to give these non-fictional Jim and Pams out there living in the world, living in Scranton or wherever they may be, some final words of advice? Oh my God. My advice would be, fuck you. I'm jealous. No, I'm kidding. Um, No, my advice is just like, you cuties. <laughs> Everyone loves you. Don't second guess yourself. I love you guys. I love you. I want to watch clips of your relationship to the song Collide. Please. Or love me. I'm in love. (laughs) My advice would be, ready, Angela, I get really corny in the last episode. Oh my God, I can't wait to hear. Don't be afraid to have your Niagara moments. And by that, I mean your life and your career and your relationship might sometimes move fast And the overly involved people around you might drive you crazy, but use these little Niagara moments to pause and check in. But I would say really, really do use them to check in with each other. Don't just look at the camera and smile. Or to Brian. Don't look at Brian. Look into your partner's eyes and say, you and me in this moment while we're alone and say, are you good? And be open to the answer being no. And if the answer is no, don't be afraid to rock the boat. Don't say to yourself, sit down. (laughs) In fact, rock the boat. Rock the boat, baby. Stand up for what you need from your relationship. Rock that boat. You won't go over the falls. I promise the captain's got your back. You're going to be safe on that boat. I love this. Rock it. I can't believe my advice was, love you. Find your Niagara. I love that. Listen to your Lizzo. Get your rosé. Have your moments. Get on an art team. Get on a bowling hour. Do it all. Do it all and more before you have babies. Well, everyone, you have one more episode with me and Angela, where hopefully we are bringing in some other voices to discuss the office with us, Um, potentially some male voices, the type of males that uh, may uh, reference the office on a dating profile or two, and to see, do they obsess about Pam as much as we obsess about Jim? Like, these are the questions I want to know. Yeah, like, are, are we being mean? Um, You can send in any questions you have for this kind of round table Q&A. You can DM us at Talking Ship Podcast or email us at info at TalkingShipPodcast.com and we will answer uh, your questions with these hopefully very wise men. Tune in for that next week. See you then. See you then. Go make a DVD slideshow of your, your lover. Bye. All right. Thank you, everyone, for listening. This has been Talking Ship. Thank you to the Believe Podcast Network for helping make this show happen. And everyone, tune in every Thursday as we continue to make our way through the Jim and Pam relationship. It's ups, it's downs, and what we can hopefully all learn from it. 
And if you had a nice time, we'd love if you could rate and review the podcast. And if you had such a nice time that you want to keep track of what we're up to, you can follow the podcast at Talking Ship Podcast. You can follow the wonderful and hilarious Angela Giratana on Instagram at Giovanna Giratana. Ready? I'll spell it. It's at G-I-O-V-A-N-A. G-I-A-R-R-A-T-A-N-A. And you can follow me at OnlyMegan815. So send us your thoughts on Jim and Pam, on Roy, on Karen, what you loved, what we missed, and what you want us to discuss. So I hope you enjoyed and, you know, remember, never, ever, ever give up. See you next week. For listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B L E A V on YouTube. You know, when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks, that's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.